Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. This message is by Michael Marshall of the Allegheny Wesleyan Methodist Conference. This message was preached at his conference in 2006, and he titles it, Fruitfulness by Dying to Yourself. I know you're going to enjoy this very riveting sermon. to say at the beginning that the truth that God has given to me is truth that I want to walk in the light of myself. Brother Van Warmer, our godly leader for 30 years, said as preachers, if we were not careful, we could preach our way into hell simply by preaching truth that we ourselves would not walk in the light of. And so I come to you tonight to let you know that God has been talking to my heart. And as he has talked to my heart, I want to deliver the burden that he has given to me because I do have a burden for our connection. And that burden is heavy tonight. And I think you will sense that as we endeavor to bring the truth tonight. I'd like to say tonight that I have utmost confidence in Reverend William Cope, our connectional president. And I would consider him a godly man. And God has given direction to Brother Cope for our general conference and our quadrennial theme. And I believe it's a very important thing for us as a connection. And that is fruitfulness in an age of spiritual famine. And could I say at the beginning here this evening that if we do not have fruitfulness, we will die. That's how serious the truth is tonight. And I'm, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. And I believe as we look around us, we see we must have fruitfulness in this age of spiritual famine. Brother Cope was directed by the Lord for some scripture, background scripture for a quadrennial theme. And I'd like to call your attention tonight to Psalm 1, Psalm 1, and also if you'd like to turn along with that, we will be reading Jeremiah chapter 7, or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. Psalm 1, and then Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. We ask you to stand for the reading of the word and for prayer this evening. Psalm 1. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What wonderful promises there are in those verses. But then it changes, and it says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, Notice, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And then in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8, the prophet Jeremiah declared in Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. That would be our text along with verse 3, where the psalmist said in Psalm 1-3, that the righteous person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth her fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I'd like to ask our former connectional president, Reverend S.C. Rainey, my good brother in the Lord, to pray for us at this time. As I stated, our quadrennial theme for the next four years is fruitfulness in an age of spiritual famine. And as I have waited upon the Lord and sought the Lord concerning this subject, it has become more than a subject. It's become a burden on my heart this evening. The burden is so great because I realize that if we do not have spiritual fruitfulness, we will die on the vine. 
my mind went back as I was preparing about some godly men and women that have paid the price in the past to give us what we have tonight. There have been those that have sacrificed. There have been those that have prayed and fasted and, and wept tears that we might be able to have an Allegheny Westland Methodist connection tonight. And it's been a great price that has been paid that we might have this denomination tonight. Adam Crooks over at Zion Church one night prevailed in prayer for our beloved Zion. Others took up the torch of prayer and fasting and waiting upon God and had spiritual fruit in their lives and ministry because they were men and women of God. And I want to tell you this evening hour, we will have to be like-minded if we're going to have spiritual fruit in our day. We say, well, we're living in a different day, but God's still the same. And God is still looking for men and women that'll pay the same price that they too might have spiritual fruit. I recently listened to a tape by Reverend Stanley Kendall that was preached from this pulpit about 30 years ago and, and my heart wept as I heard that man of God pour out his soul to our beloved Zion. And I thought, oh God, we need clear biblical anointed preaching like that one more time that'll move us beyond our emotions and it'll get down into our soul and get down into our will until we'll determine we're going to be fruitful in our days. What made Brother Kendall, as my, in my estimation, you have your opinion, I believe he was the greatest evangelist that I've ever known. A man of God that waited upon God, was struck down by the power of God as a young man and surrendered all to God and, and had a fruitful life in ministry because he took the death route and, and died to the world and died to sin and died to his family and his friends and produced spiritual fruit for Jesus Christ. And scores of people are in heaven and on their way to heaven because of Brother Kendall. Then my mind went a little closer to my own life and my own ministry. And I thought about Reverend and Mrs. C.R. McPherson who came to southern West Virginia with a burden on their heart, came under the guise and at that time was with the denomination. But back then they had the fire and the glory even more than what we have today. So let's not criticize them, uh, what they were in the past. They came to southern West Virginia with a burden on their heart to have some spiritual fruit in that barren area. And my parents came under their ministry. My dad was a Sunday school superintendent in a, in a Methodist church running around 100. But he left that nominal church and, and he went to English church because the fire and the glory and the presence and the power of God was manifested there and there was something to draw them. I wonder tonight, what do we have in our churches that are going to draw those that are nominal? What are going to draw the world out there? It's going to take the fire and the glory and the presence and the power of God that we must be willing to pay the price for if our churches are going to survive these last days and be fruitful. Some of you have been reading, and I, 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 I mention it in trembling tonight, but that book about Aunt Mamie Blankenship, 
shepherdess of the hill country, Aunt Mamie Blankenship was Sunday school superintendent in the Methodist church in English. And when Brother McPherson came and, and put the gospel plow down deeper, she came under the influence of that preaching and took the death route. I'm glad she did. I want to tell you, I wouldn't be preaching to you tonight if she had not taken the death route. She dedicated me when I was just a baby. And she told my mother once, she said, every child I ever dedicated, I prayed for every day. I wonder how many pastors could say that tonight. I tell you, she was an intercessor and carried the burden and produced spiritual fruit there in English. But now we look at English without a pastor and we look at that area and we see the spiritual barrenness. I tell you, God could work a work at English one more time if he could find an intercessor like Aunt Mamie Blankenship, if he could find someone like C.R. McPherson to go down and preach the gospel message. We're too busy playing and we're too busy with our little affairs and we're too busy talking and we're too busy criticizing and finding fault to get down on our knees and travail before God until God comes on our hearts with the anointing of the Holy Ghost and a burden and a vision for the lost souls of humanity all around us. God help us tonight. I'd like for us to note Amos 8, verse 11 and 12. What it says about spiritual famine. Behold the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send the famine in the land. Notice, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it I wonder why we have confusion today. I tell you why we have confusion. We're not obeying the word of the Lord. We're not walking in all the light that God would give to us. If we would, the confusion would clear up. I tell you, when God comes and light comes, I want to walk in it, don't you? I want to embrace the light I, that I might have spiritual fruit in my life and produce spiritual fruit for the Master. The world tonight is in an age of spiritual famine. The world tonight, as we're here on the, this sacred hilltop, is starving to death, spiritually speaking. And there is a great shortage of those who will provide spiritual nourishment to the fainting souls of humanity. There is a lack of clear, anointed, biblical preaching in our day. And there's also a lack of obedience to the Word of God. I want to tell you tonight, friends, when the Spirit of God speaks to us, we better obey it. Uh, Brother Kendall said, uh, don't call anything little that the Holy Ghost would talk to us about, uh, for it's not little. When God, the Holy Ghost, zeroes in on our hearts, uh, it becomes life or death, heaven or hell. Don't say that's just his opinion if he's under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God zeroes in on your heart and your life and makes the application of the truth. You better walk in the light of it, friend, or you'll lose your eternal soul. Preaching is more than telling funny stories, though I'm not opposed to that if it's under the anointing. It's more than giving our opinions on the on subject, but it must be clear, biblical preaching that's anointed by the Holy Ghost that'll get down where we live and will help us to be holy and help us to produce spiritual fruit. The text for our quadrennial theme reveals that it is possible to produce fruit 
in an age of spiritual famine. Jeremiah reveals this possibility by trusting in the Lord. When he said in Jeremiah 17, 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. I want to ask us tonight, where is our trust? Where is our hope? I'm for every board and every committee of our connection, but are we trusting in the boards and the committees? I'm for what we are doing here in conference, but are we just trusting on what will be decided in this conference? I tell you, we better trust in God Almighty. We better put our faith in God, and we better obey God that we might have spiritual fruit in this age that we're living in. God, the Holy Ghost has been speaking to my own heart, and He has been revealing to me that I need to trust Him more. I need to trust Him more in these last days when our faith is being supremely tested. What did Jesus say? He said, and he asked the question, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And I want to tell you, friend, our faith is being supremely tested. And how we, how we uh, reveal whatever is in our heart will be revealed when the test comes. Oh, yes. What's your response, friends, when God brings truth to your heart? Is there an amen? Is there a yes, Lord? Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way and to your word, whatever you want me to do, no matter what my family's going to do, no matter what my friends are going to do, not matter, no matter what my preacher brethren are going to do, I'm going to obey God because I'm trusting Him and it's His word and He's spoken to me and I'll walk in the light that God has given to me. Jesus, through the parable of the unjust judge, reveals how that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And I want to tell you, there's some fainting that's going on and giving way and compromising because we're not praying. I want to tell you, that's the key. That's the key. If you don't keep close to God, and if I don't keep close to God, uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood uh, and the devil comes, uh, we'll begin to reason with the devil. And before we know it, we'll be out there somewhere in a spiritual barren desert. God, help us tonight to realize we must pray in order to have spiritual and eternal fruit. In verse 8 of Jeremiah 17, the prophet reveals that result of trusting and hoping in the Lord is that the righteous person shall be noticed as a tree planted by the water and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. How did Reverend H.C. Van Warmer produce fruit? He took the death route and he died to his sovereign, his ruling self-will and said yes to the whole will of God and became a great leader. Thank God for our godly leaders that we have for our connection at this point in our time. I have utmost confidence in Brother Cope, Brother Blowers, Brother Miller as men of God that are waiting upon God to lead us. And I want to tell you, when they are leading us in that way, we need to follow. We need to obey. I tell you, that's the difference in our day and the day when Brother Van Warmer was our leader. People followed godly leadership back then, but now they want to question. They want to find fault. They want to criticize us. 
I tell you, you're going to answer to God someday, and I'm going to answer to God. What I've said about Brother Cope and Brother Blowers and Brother Miller, there's coming a day, friend, when all will be erased and we'll stand before God Almighty and give an account for our lives. We better be careful what we say, what we do. Verse 8 of Jeremiah, he tells us we can have spiritual fruit. Notice in Psalm 1, Adam Clark wrote concerning Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3, we see the blessedness of the righteous, of the righteous shown in his avoiding evil and his godly use of the law of the Lord. This is also pointed out under the metaphor of a good tree planted in a good, well-watered soil. Psalm 1, 1 reveals that we can produce spiritual fruit if we do not follow the counsel of the ungodly. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of counsel of the ungodly today. And I refuse to follow the counsel of the ungodly. I want to walk in the light of the blessed Holy Spirit of God and godly men like Brother Cope as he leads us under God. That's who we need to follow, not ungodly counsel. He said, nor follow the way of sinners. There's many that are doing that or become scornful or critical. Oh, that God would help us that we would have a fresh baptism of divine love until we are Christ-like in our spirit and Christ-like in our speech and Christ-like in our standards until we have a consistency and a pure and a holy life that will bring forth fruit in our day. I hasten, I must hasten and notice tonight what is required in order for us to have spiritual fruitfulness, I would say tonight that uh, this outline that God uh, laid on my heart came from Richard Taylor in a message about the four cells and the four needs. Uh, but first of all, tonight, I would have us to consider that spiritual fruitfulness requires knowing that the sinful self has been converted by the power of God. Jesus said and gave the requirements for true discipleship and spiritual fruitfulness in Matthew 16, 24, when he said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Friends, we must deny ourselves of all known sins in order to be converted. I tell you, we cannot be dabbling around in any known sin and be converted by the power of God. Oh, I tell you, when God converts us, He changes us, praise the Lord, and we're through with the sin business. Oh, yes, we'll have to deny ourselves. We live in an age of terrible wickedness. The murderers, the thieves, the rapists, the kidnappers, the liars, the cheaters, the drunkards, the drug addicts, and all sin prove that we're in an age of spiritual famine. Sinners tonight need more than a reformation. What they need is a mighty transformation by the power of God. There's a man in my church by the name of Alan Cadman. His mom and sister are here tonight. And Alan was in the hospital at Pittsburgh facing surgery. And he, in fact, had been in surgery on his heart and the doctor came out and said to his mom and to his sister and some of the family that was there said it's not going too good he's about 45 I believe it is and he is, had a, has severe heart problems 
After the doctor left, I didn't care who was in that room. I wanted to pray with that family. And I prayed with that family. And Alan was in another part of the hospital. But he said that he all of a sudden, uh, he had a feeling uh, like he was being dragged into hell. He said, you talk about fear. He had fear. And he said, all of a sudden, uh, he heard uh, my prayer. How did that happen? It's God. I can't explain it. But he cried out, oh, Lord Jesus, save me. And immediately, God saved him and converted him. And God is helping him and leading him. Why? Because someone prayed, not just me, but his mother is here tonight and had prayed for years that he might be saved. I tell you, that's what we need in order to have conversions. That's what we need in order to have spiritual fruit. We might have numbers, but we'll not have souls without travail. We'll have to get back to the agony of soul travail. We're going to have converts. My sister, Loretta, worked for Potomac Electric Power Company in Washington, D.C., was a supervisor. She's not a Christian tonight. She got saved after my mother died, but she didn't maintain. But she told me at one point, she said, Mike, just about everyone that works for me or in our department claims to be a Christian, but they don't live the life. I wonder how many of our neighbors and our friends and our family might say that about us tonight. Oh, yes, they profess the old-fashioned way, but they have a critical spirit and a critical attitude. They, they'll, they'll just cut you off and cut you down. I want to tell you, friends, if we get converted, that'll take care of that. Oh, yes, that'll take care of that spirit. We'll have the spirit of Jesus Christ. Some people tonight have standards without the Savior. Oh, I tell you tonight, I'm for every standard that we have. We'll be dealing with some of that tomorrow. It doesn't matter to me where we put them in the discipline or they're in the resolution, wherever they are. I tell you, I want to walk in the light that God gives to me. I've taken a vow before a congregation that I would live by the beliefs of this connection. And by God's grace, I want to do it. Praise the Lord. And you better do it if you want to be a part of this connection. Some people ex express criticism and not the Spirit of Christ. I want to say tonight there is a difference between concern and criticism. Concern will lead us to the prayer closet, but criticism will lead us out there to talk to others. And there's too much talking and too little praying, and that's why we're in the condition we're in tonight. I'm being honest with this, friends, tonight. God help me. And God help you. Some people tonight have worldliness and not the wonderful presence of God, Alan Cadman, that I mentioned. And I'm jumping ahead in a message that doesn't matter. But anyhow, uh, uh, Alan Cadman, uh, he said that some of his friends, uh, probably some of his family, I don't know, said you're going over to that Holy Roller Church. You're going over to that church where they're strict and conservative. He, to he told him this. I thought it was a pretty good answer. He said, well, I don't know about your, your church, but over there at North Salem, we have the presence of God. We have the presence of God. I want to tell you, it's not because I'm there. It's because God is there. And we have a praying congregation and praying people. It was born in the prayer meeting and founded on holiness. And it's still a shining light tonight. And I want to tell you, that's what our churches need to be. This day, to be able to produce fruit for the master." Our discipline contains biblically 
faith-based principles and our resolutions or explanation and application of those biblical principles and our discipline and resolutions are to be obeyed and practiced by the four members of the Allegheny Wesleyan Methodist Connection. Did you remember or did you forget that you stood before a congregation one day and you made a vow and a commitment not just to that congregation but to God Almighty and one of the questions was that you would accept the articles of faith and the church polity or the church government of the Allegheny Western Methodist Connection. And if you want to remain a part of the connection, you need to keep that vow before God. I want to tell you, friends, it's more than just dealing with a committee or the connection president. And I thank God for our leaders in our committee. But if one day we're going to stand before God, to give an account. I was thinking when I was a coal miner, and I remember when I went into those coal mines, let's just suppose that I said to the boss one day as we were getting ready to go back into that dark coal mine, I'm not going to wear my light tonight. He'd say, well, hit the road. <laughs> Why? There's some rules and regulations. And there's some rules and regulations in the church and in the connection of and by God's grace, we need to keep every one of them. If we want to be, be a full member of this connection, God help us to do it. After we've truly confessed and repented of our sin and placed saving faith in God, He changes our desires. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you, God's written some things in my heart tonight. They're not in my mind or on my back as a burden, but they're in my heart tonight. I delight to do the will of God. I meditate in His law and in His Word. I delight to do it, and it gives joy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. No one's forcing me to do it. Brother Cope doesn't follow me around 24 hours a day to make sure I'm doing it. But God, the Holy Ghost, is following me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I will give an account to God someday. And you will too as to whether you're walking in the light of God's Word. I remember, and what a testimony it was, when I was in Ghana, and that Muslim man came and got saved, and he got up and he testified, and he said something like this. He said, oh, oh, something has changed on the inside. Something has changed on the inside. Oh, I tell you, that's a good testimony. I tell you, I'm glad something can change on the inside. And if it changes on the inside, it'll show up on the outside. Praise the Lord. When we're converted by the power of God, oh, our desires change. Praise the Lord. We desire to do the will of God. Whatever He wants us to do, our supreme desire is to please God. God changes our devotions when we're converted. Praise the Lord. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things pass away, and behold, all things became new. Oh, I tell you, the things we once hated, we now love. Praise the Lord. The things we once loved, we now hate. We must love what God loves and hate what God hates. I get concerned when I see so-called Christian and holiness people still demonstrating love for the things of the world. I want to tell you, that'll take place and be rid of in conversion. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes. God changes our devotion. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God changes our eternal destiny when we're converted by the power of God. 
when my dad and my mom were willing to step out of a nominal church and take the criticism and the fault finding of even family and friends. They took the old fashioned way of sweet holiness and tonight they're in heaven and you could not convince me otherwise. Praise the Lord. I know they're there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And one day I want to be there too. Notice that spiritual fruitfulness requires knowing that the carnal self has been crucified and cleansed by the power of God. Oh, yes, we can't do it ourselves, friends. It takes the power of God. Jesus declared in St. John 12, 24, and it's been expounded on already. We'll just read it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. We must return to preaching and experiencing the death route or dying to the sinful, selfish, carnal nature so that we might have a glorious resurrection and live a holy life above sin and above the world. Too many have a holiness profession without the possession of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a revival of holiness, friends. I appreciate our articles that Brother Coe's been putting in the Western Methodist on holiness. We need a revival of holiness. My dad was a coal miner. He worked the night shifts at, at English. They were in revival meetings, having services in the morning. They said my dad left his pew under, under the mighty power of God and conviction of the Holy Spirit to be sanctified. And he staggered almost like a drunk man up the aisle and hit the pew or hit the altar rather, and began to pray. And the saints of God gathered around and began to try to talk him through. No. No, that's what we do today. I tell you, I'm afraid of that. I don't want to talk anyone into anything. I want God to witness to them that they had the work done in their heart. But they gathered around my dad, and they began to pound on his back, and they began to say, die, die, die. How long has it been since we've heard that cry around the altars at Stoneboro? My sister and I were just little. They had beaten my dad on the back. We thought they were trying to kill him physically. They wasn't talking about a physical death, friend. They were talking about a spiritual death. And my dad took the death route. But more than that, he arose to a resurrected life. And he lived a holy, humble life. And he's in heaven tonight, praise the Lord. My mom was at Southern West Virginia camp. It's in that book about Aunt Mamie. I had a bone disease in my leg, and they thought maybe I'd be a cripple for the rest of my life. My mom was under that burden for me as her son and also under the burden to get sanctified. And She went to Aunt Mamie, and Aunt Mamie, that godly saint, quoted from the psalm, Be still and know that I am God. And she said, Sister Marshall, you go on and get sanctified and God will take care of Mike. <laughs> and my mom took the death route and got sanctified and God healed me of that bone disease. I might have one leg shorter than the other one tonight from being a hillbilly, but I want to tell you tonight, God touched me and healed me completely and sanctified my mom all in the same camp meeting. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. 
He can do it today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If we'll take the death route, the cause or origin of the carnal nature, they date back to the sin of Adam and Eve and sin entering into the very nature of man. We were born into the world with a sinful carnal nature, a desire to commit sin, and a bent towards sinning. It's evidenced in babies and children and, sad to say, adults. Oh, yes, carnal fit, carnal anger, and carnal pride. Oh, we need to see how black and how ugly and how damaging this sinful carnal nature is. Carnal pride is inordinate self-esteem. It's conceit. We hear much today about the need of self-esteem today. I disagree. We don't need self-esteem. What we need is a self-crucifixion. What we need is to die to our carnal self until we can have the power of God resurrect us to a holy life. Praise the Lord. Carnal selfishness and greed goes along and almost hand in hand with pride and probably springs from that trait. To be selfish is to be concerned exclusively with oneself and pleasure and well-being without regard for others. It's egotistical and self-seeking. People say something like this, many of them, that explode. I'm tired of thinking about others. I'm going to think about myself and do the things that please me and listen to me tonight. That has destroyed many homes. And there's many children tonight talking about an innocent party, the little children that are suffering all across our world tonight because mom and dad didn't take the death route and die out to that carnal nature. There's carnal anger. It's brought about the destruction of many and many individuals have done dastardly deeds because of carnal anger. There's carnal jealousy and carnal envy, jealous over other people and their possession or their position. Jealousy involves suspicion. Envy means a coveting, a desiring of something which belongs to another. These traits have caused division in many churches. There's carnal stubbornness. Reverend Barker told about it at one of our institutes at Indiana many years ago how he and his wife, I believe, in their first pastor had that carnal stubbornness and they met in their home and almost had a divorce because of that carnal nature. But they decided they wanted to get delivered and they sought God until God delivered them and sanctified them. Praise the Lord. We might be surprised what goes on in some homes in Allegheny, behind the closed doors where only you and someone else know what you say and what you do. I want to tell you, friend, if you manifest that spirit, you ought to fall on your knees before Almighty God and cry out to God to convert you and go on and allow God to cleanse you of that sinful carnal nature within. Cure for the carnal nature is the death route. Romans 6, 6 and 7 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we would not serve sin. For we, he that is dead, is freed from sin. Praise the Lord. Let's notice Brother Van Warmer's quote on this. He says that Romans 6, 6, and 7 teaches the possibility of an instantaneous death, death stroke to inbred sin or the sinful carnal nature. 
There is no need of a slow and painful process lingering under physical death or purgatory or fires but in the torment. Men are not crucified limb by limb. It is an instantaneous act. The word destroy means to annihilate, to put an end to, to bring to null. He said entire sanctification implies that a merciless self-crucifixion is imperative. That's what Jesus said. We must go to the cross. We must be crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. Again, I quote from Brother Van Wormer. He says entire sanctification is an unreserved, an unconditional, total, absolute commitment and a total abandonment to God without debate or argument. He writes, we have much debate over do I have to do this or that. This ends in the death route. Sounds to me like they had the same problems back then we have now. Do I have to do that? Or do I, can I do this? Or can I do that? Ask God about it, would you? And obey the Holy Spirit of God and walk in the light of the truth as God reveals it to you. Praise the Lord. H. Rob French, that godly evangelist said, you die to self, you die to sin. You die to this world. You die to reputation. You die to people. You die to your family. You die to everything. That's consecration. Notice, he said, how we act under pressure tells whether we're dead or not. How do you act when you can't have your own way? When someone else gets the credit for what you've done. How do you act in the business meeting and after business meeting is over? Let's bring it down a little closer. How do we act in conference when the business doesn't go the way we want it to go? How do we act and what do we say and what kind of spirit do we manifest? God help us and give us a fresh baptism of divine love until we can live the crucified life for him. Jesus Christ is our pattern for the death route. He had no sinful nature to die to. He was absolutely perfect, but he became our example. The closer Christ got to the cross, the smaller the crowd. Not everyone will go the old-fashioned death route to the sinful nature. Notice, let's compare Christ's death to how we should die to the sinful carnal nature. There was a death to personal will and ambition. Even Christ pleased not himself but the Father. Who are you pleasing tonight? The world, family, friends, or God? There was death to personal affection. Christ's mother was at the foot of the cross. You must die to parents and family or you're going with God regardless of what your family does. There was death to the opinions of others. We'll have to die to that. Death to the offer position. They wanted to make Jesus an earthly king. I think they said it was Reverend Stanley Kendall that was preaching here once. And he said, if anyone aspires to leadership, he must be carnal or crazy. And they said, Brother Clyde Blair spoke up and said they're both <laughs> carnal and crazy if they want to be a leader. God put you there serving to the best of your ability. But don't politic and don't try to get others to vote the way you think they should vote. Let them pray and ask God how he wants them to vote. There's death to pride. The death route is humility. The king on the cross dying as a common criminal. 
There's death to physical appetite. Jesus cried, I thirst. There was death to power and authority. Christ could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone, and you'll have to die alone somewhere if you're going to have spiritual fruitfulness. There was death to self-will and liberty to go where he wanted to go. He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. There was death to revenge and retaliation. Christ said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You say, well, you don't know what they do. Well, just forgive them anyhow. Say, I can't forgive them. You better ask God to help you to forgive them. Because if you don't forgive them, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. How serious it is. Then I would have us to notice tonight that spiritual fruitfulness requires knowing that the human self is disciplined and controlled by the power of God. Jesus said, uh, not only must a true disciple deny himself of all sin, that's conversion. He must not only take up his cross, that's crucifixion of the carnal self, but Jesus said, we must follow him. That's a discipline of our human self. Oh, yeah, we're still human. Brother Rainey was with us one time in revival meeting, and at the close, you're always wondering what they're going to say, and he maybe doesn't even remember, but he said, one thing I found out about the marshals, they're human. That's about all he did say. I don't know what he meant. I hope he didn't hear anything. <laughs> but we are human. Even after we're saved and sanctified, there's the human self. There's the human self that's going to have to be disciplined. We're going to have to discipline our human self if we're going to have fruitfulness in this day of spiritual famine. We must discipline ourselves in order to keep saved and sanctified. Many have backslidden because they have not disciplined themselves to be kept under the control and the power of God. How many testimonies do we hear? I backslid because I didn't pray, pray and read the Bible. Well, that's not too profound, is it? How we expect to keep God in our hearts if we don't pray and read His Word. No way we can. We must resist the devil and not yield to temptation. This takes the control of the power of God and self-discipline. The Bible says to resist the devil, not reason with the devil. I want to tell you, he'll out-reason you every time. You better learn to resist him. We better discipline ourselves so we can live the way God wants us to live. We must guard against worldliness. If the pastor takes one step toward the world, his people will take two. And that's true with the family unit tonight. You've seen it and I've seen it happen. Precious families that start down that road and mom and dad just take one step, but son and daughter come and take two or three more steps. And before you know it, they don't look like holiness people anymore. God help us tonight. We need discipline in this Laodicean age of lukewarmness and coldness and deadness. Many individuals and churches have dryness and deadness and not the dynamic power of the blessed Holy Spirit of God. Paul said, I die daily. He meant that he died to his human desires daily so that he could do the will of God. Paul said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself would become a castaway. It takes discipline to fast and pray and be faithful in working for the Lord. And I want you to listen to me tonight. I touched on this just a little bit this afternoon in our conference session. 
I'm not here to glorify man. But I want to tell you, Brother William Cope is a godly man. I worked with him for five years. And only God knows how early that man gets up to pray over us. We can criticize and find fault and say he did this or he did that. But wait a minute. He waited on God. He sought God. He fasted. He prayed. He did it the biblical way. Let's stand behind our godly leader, Brother Cope. I appreciate him tonight. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, Paul exhorts us, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. To be a good soldier requires much discipline and devotion and diligence. All that we, all that we must do, we must do for the glory of God. We should not wear anything. We should not do anything. We should not say anything. We should not go any place. We cannot ride across the top of it for the glory of God. I want to tell you tonight, there are some things I will not wear. There are some places I will not go. There are some things I will not do. There are some things I will not say. Why? I want to please Him that has chosen me to be a soldier. I want to make it to heaven someday by the grace of God. Last of all tonight, I would have us to notice that spiritual fruitfulness requires knowing that the sanctified self finds fulfillment in doing the will of God. Think about it tonight. I believe it's God's will that we produce fruit. I know it's God's will that we produce the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, faith. It's God's will that we produce the fruit of holiness. And let's take it a little closer tonight. It's God's will that we produce eternal fruit for the Master and souls for the Master. And if we don't, as I said, we will die on the vine. Everyone's looking for fulfillment and contentment today. I tell you, the greatest thrill in all the, all the universe is to work for God. After all, our retirement is out of this world. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, I tell you, I'm not working. I'm not working. I could, if I wanted to make money, I stayed in the coal mines. <laughs> I was single back then. My pockets did jingle and had all kinds of money. But wasted it. Wasted it on sin and the world. And I want to tell you tonight, I'm working for an eternal kingdom. I tell you, that gives real joy and real peace and real contentment to know I'm working for the salvation of souls. Say, how many is getting saved? Not very many, but I'm working for how many I can get in this end-time harbor. Oh, we might have to pick them like hand for pick, pick, might have to do them by hand-picked fruit, but thank God we can have some fruit for the Master. The sanctified self needs to find fulfillment in doing God's will daily. Even Jesus came not to do His own will, but the will of His heavenly Father, Gino Andre, a great Sunday school superintendent. His prayer was to be a blessing every day and how God used Him to win people to Jesus. The sanctified self can find fulfillment in serving Jesus Christ. Remember the motto, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ 
will last. Pastors, laymen, we're here to serve. We're here to call on people and work to get people in the church and to God. Or we'll die on the vine. Pastor, set some goals for your call and your contact. Take some discipline to do it. I'm not telling you how many to set. Ask God how many he wants you to set. And do what God wants you to do. Layman, you should be calling. You should be inviting people to church as well. We need to all be involved in this. And if we would discipline ourselves to get out there, we might be surprised how many might come. We can't sit here till we die. We need to do something. So we need to discipline ourselves to pray and fast and seek God and call with a burden and a vision to win souls. Remember, our quadrennial theme is fruitfulness in an age of spiritual famine. The choice is yours and the choice is mine. We can have a fruitful life here on earth that will lead to the land of eternal fruit. Let us choose to have spiritual and eternal fruit. I close tonight with two illustrations. One from Brother Van Wormer. Brother Van Wormer wrote in his book on entire sanctification, I have had no argument or debate with God for 53 years. Can you say that? Say, well, I'm not that old. Well, live that long and be able to say it. Praise the Lord. He said, I've had no argument or debate with God for 53 years. I have had no stubbornness against God. He cured me of that. When we went into the last battle of the First World War, our old general stood up and said, boys, this is the last battle of the First World War. Every one of you, every one of you that lives through this will see home. He said, I lay down in my little pup tent and said, Lord God, if you will let me get home, I will preach. When I got home, I refused to do it. I went into business on the farm, but I was sick and had to give it up. God let tragedy come across my path. And he said to me, all right now, keep right on in your stubbornness. This is the beginning. Could I say tonight, keep right on in that stubborn spirit, and it's just the beginning of tragedy in your home, in your family, in your church. Brother Van Wormer settled it then. He said, when I landed in the big veterans hospital in New York City, it took me down still deeper. I have never been stubborn or rebellious since. He writes, I have been slow and dumb in a lot of things. He will put up with that, but God will not put up with our stubbornness. And he won't put up with yours either. Yesterday, I stood before family, Freedom L. Callahan's family, to preach a funeral message of a 31-year-old man who died with cancer. I received a phone call from the family last week that he was facing death and he needed to get right with God. I made my way I tried to go that day, but it didn't work out. But the next day, I made arrangements to go and talk to that man about salvation and prayed with him to be saved and left the track entitled Steps to Salvation. The family feels he got saved. I leave him in the hands of God. I don't know. I'm not his judge. But I want to tell you, friends, when we come down that we're facing death, we'll want to know we've been converted. 
We'll want to know we've been cleansed. We'll want to know we lived a disciplined life. We'll want to know we've lived a fruitful life for the Master. And one day, we're all coming down to that unless we're caught up in the rapture. God help us to have fruitfulness in an age of spiritual pain. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. I don't want to